Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. Recording to the cloud. Today we're going to the cloud. That's where we're going. You're hearing these words coming out of our mouths straight from the, the sky. The sky gods are gracing you with this podcast. I'm excited. If you can tell, I'm excited for today's guest. I have tried to land this guest. He is so busy and our schedules are so crazy. We've had to reschedule and move around. Probably all my fault. But in the end, we've got him here today. It's not a fluke and the power has not left the building just yet. Knock on wood. My guest today, let me tell you about him. He's a entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur, digital marketing thought leader, strategic advisor, revenue consultant, and people connector. Prior to all of these foundings and experiences in marketing, he actually got his his he's got his his work in in the music industry. He's got a really cool past around that, and he's got stories. We're going to talk a little live music, get get the inside scoop, maybe spill some tea. So stick around for that. He is the founder of Augmentor, OG Mentor, founder and czar at LPSS Digital Marketing. Lil Sturm, welcome to the show, sir. Thanks, Casey. It's uh, it's great to be here with you today. Hell yeah! I'm so glad you're here. Let's do this. I can't wait to get in all these different topics, social, digital, there's all these things, you know, screaming around at us. But one thing in particular is that we've got some myths to smash. So let me pass you this thing. It's kind of heavy. <laughs> okay, here we go. Oh. You got it? You want to grab hammer. that? There you go. Yep, okay. I got that. All right. All right. That's Thor's hammer. Take for me that hammer of doom and smash some kind of marketing myth bogus strategy, misconception, set the record straight once and for all. Yeah. So, so one of the things that we encounter when we're out in the world talking to businesses, whether they're, whether they're startups or whether they're more experienced, whether they've got, you know, thousands of dollars in revenue or millions or tens or even hundreds of millions, uh, is this, is this myth, this belief that social media can be done by anybody. It can be done casually. So, the example of this is how many of you know somebody whose whose business accounts are managed by their nephew or by the guy who right. answers the phone right or you know the 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 girlfriend of their college roommate yeah Somebody's just somebody kinda, knows you know, somebody yeah right somebody knows somebody like how hard can it be every teenager in the world is on social media we'll just give it to somebody who who deals with it casually and and from time to time they'll post something about the business and that'll be good enough well i'll tell you casey it's not good enough it rarely works and it often does more harm than good what happens i, I mean we, i think we kind of all well we should all intuitively know this is the case but for some reason we violate this left and right what is the result when you put your casual friend the untrained millennial onto this job of running social for your biz? Well, it's, you know, this is, this shouldn't come as much of a surprise. Uh, if, if you don't do it professionally, it doesn't look professional. You know, I, imagine if, right. I mean, if, if you were given the opportunity to put uh, an ad on the Super Bowl and you went out with your phone and shot, you know, a couple of people 
I don't know, falling off their skateboards or something, and you said, okay, I've got my video, my ad for the Super Bowl, it would look ridiculous. I mean, people would talk about how terrible it was, but it probably wouldn't drive a lot of confidence in your business. So same on social media. If, if you've got a haphazard approach, you've got no cohesive strategy, you're posting once in a while, whatever, uh, it looks unprofessional. And, and, and frankly, it's this amazing opportunity to put a clear, cohesive, professional message out into the world. And, and if you're not taking it seriously, what shows up is that, that you're not professional, that you're not an expert, that you don't have value to provide to your audience and, and to your customers. You know, the, oh man, this, I love that we're smashing this and I love how you just bring the curtain away and you, you should, okay, how do you want your company to look? And the idea of it's actually messaging. It's not just, doesn't it, it feels like people in this, in this arena here are going for participation trophies for social, right? Like if I'm just there and I'm present, then that counts. And it's like, you've right. said consistency, you said all these things. And then really, do you want your company to look like a 17 year old confused individual <laughs> and, you know, who's still learning life skills right now yeah. and adulting or, or, you know, the untrained neighbor who, you know, likes the wrong football team. I don't know, but like all, all the wrong things you can be <laughs> portraying, like you're sending messages, even if you think you're participating or something like that. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. And, and just like you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't delegate preparing your sales materials to some random person or, or some junior person, that's an important, it's an important way to present yourself to an audience of potential buyers for your product or services. Take it seriously, come up with a plan, do it well. Oh, it is the reason, is that it? Is that, is that why are people not taking it seriously? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, social media is so ubiquitous. It, it's everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, most of us have some experience with social media casually, whether we're posting pictures from vacation or, you know, documenting a fancy dinner that you've had or, you know, wishing somebody a happy birthday or something with a with a funny um, graphic or, or video. Yeah. We've all we've all done that. So I think it's easy to assume that because you've used social media, you can you, you can bring the same kind of um, relaxed uh directionless approach to your professional social media. And, and frankly, it just does you a disservice. It just makes you look bad. In fact, you'd be better off not, not using social media at all. I mean, there are yeah. companies out there that don't have a social presence. They make a big deal about not having a social presence and, and fine. But, but that, um, that serves you better than having, you know, kind of a half-assed or messy or, or unthoughtful approach. Yeah. I mean, think about all the horror stories. I heard about one where someone had Ford's social media or something. They had, they just had it on their phone and they thought they were tweeting out them their own personal and oh. end up being Ford. Have you heard of this one? I don't know uh, that one, look, but it doesn't yeah. sound like much of a surprise. I, um, I mean, it's uh, the, <laughs> the tweet was terrible. It was something to the effect of, you know, people make so many cars in Detroit. It's too bad. They can't fucking drive. Right. Is what this person <laughs> tweeted. And he thought he was tweeting it, which he probably shouldn't have tweeted naughty uh, on yeah. his personal account, but it actually came out of like Ford or one of those. Oh um, no. 
official profiles. So it's like, you can't, you can't just not pay attention to it because man, I think that's probably like the, a, a really bad example, but there's just, you can really, and, and sometimes you won't even get the feedback, right? You're not even getting to yeah. get people telling you, Oh, that looks unprofessional. I'm not going to buy from you. They're just not going to be involved. They're not going to buy from your business. It creates a, a bad cloud over your head. Yeah, that that's right. It just turns them off and, and you may never know what it was that drove them away. And there's, and there's room for irreverence. I mean, there's room even for controversy. I mean, ar- arguably uh, that's the point of social media is to stir people up. Yeah. So it's okay if a brand wants to do that. They want to take a, a position that's going to lead to discussion and debate and um, and maybe even drive away people that were never going to be customers or never going to be a fit for them or or, or just really not um, not in their ideal scope of, of business. It's okay to use sure. social media as a as a way to create friction that drives non-buyers out and buyers in. Totally, totally fine. Controversy works. But you don't want this accidental controversy where, you know, somebody says something stupid or or not very well considered or intended for a different channel. And accidentally, it's on your professional profile um, that that's not what you're going for. So so flipping it around a bit, how do we approach this the right way? I've heard strategy. I've heard cohesion. I've heard all sorts of some keywords. If you could sort of, you know, if you were to pass me the, you know, Lale's Bible of social, what, what kind of core things are most important to you? Yeah. So, um, so, so there's a number of um, kind of overarching themes that, that we advise clients on and, and frankly, that we live by Um, one is authenticity. You you have to, you have to actually put out there who you really are. Uh, You're not, you're not trying to trick people into doing business with you. You're trying to attract people that are a good fit for your business. And so you have to be honest about who you are and who you are not. Uh, so, so that's, that's one. Um, two, consistency. You, you can't do it once in a while. It can't be like, oh, the holidays are coming up. We should probably post something. You should be posting regularly. And, you know, there's some nuance to what what that really looks like. Every right. platform has different algorithms and, and different preferences about post frequency, um, posting too often, not often enough. So we advise our clients on that. If they come to us and they say, you know, we want to we want to be on these platforms, great. We'll we'll set them up with the appropriate post frequency, but it has to be consistent. Um, like anything else, I mean, you can't go to the gym once in a while and hope that you're going to get in shape. You have to go you know, three days a week or five days a week or every whatever day that your trainer tells you to go so you can actually achieve the results. Um, frankly, if you can do those two things, be ha- have integrity, so be authentic and do it regularly, you're off to a great start. Uh, there, there's three or four others, but I don't, I don't want to bog us down in sure. the details. Those yeah. are two great places to start. Hell yeah. Love that. Are there some things to avoid? Are there some pitfalls? And really, where do you start? Yeah, I, guess, I mean, like anything else, there, there are definitely pitfalls. Um, where you start is, is where you are. Uh, 
uh, it would be great if you could jump right to the end, but you can't do that. So, you know, you probably have a business profile with no, uh, with no following, uh, with no content. You know, hopefully you've got a, a clean slate to start with. If you've been doing this messy stuff in the past, you can get rid of that. I mean, you could just take it off of your, off of your page, off of your profile. Now, you know, stuff that's in the internet probably will always be in the internet. You can't take it back, but you can, you can remove it from your profile so that going forward, people don't see it. Not that they couldn't look for it and find it. Um, one of the major pitfalls that we see, and, and frankly, it's almost impossible to recover from if you've done it. So I'm sorry, those of you that are listening that have done this in the past, I don't have wow. a good technique for undoing this. You should never buy followers. Buying followers on social media will ruin your social media. There's just no two ways about it. The, um, it gives you a vanity metric in a big follower number, and that's great at a cocktail party, but not useful anywhere else, right? So all of a sudden you've got a million followers that may or may not be real people, that are not interested in your business, that are never going to be customers, they're never going to engage with your content, they're never right. going to like, share, or follow. And, and, and by doing that, you're diluting any success that you have in the future. So let's say, you know, miraculously, you've bought a million followers, and then you've organically added a million followers, so you've got two million followers. Your engagement on your posts, which is, which is frankly what the platforms are using to determine how many people are going to see your posts, your engagement number can never be higher than 50%. And frankly, a 50% engagement would be amazing. So I'm just using the numbers to, to illustrate the point. Somebody with half as many followers and all of those followers are organic is going to be able to outperform you forever. You can never overcome the deficit. You've diluted your following. What? Okay, and then where does that metric really ma matter? Are, are you not getting, you're not showing up in feeds because you have shitty engagement? Is, is yeah. Twitter almost shadow banning you essentially? That's right. Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, all of them, they're looking at posts and they're saying, what percentage of the people who follow this account are engaging with this content? And they're looking at, and you know, to oversimplify here, they're looking at those engagement numbers and they're saying, wow, this is pretty impressive. This post has, has generated this percent engagement. This post has this percent um, uh, reshares or likes or, or comments. We're going to push it out to a wider audience because contrary to popular belief, and this is another myth, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I don't, you know, no, don't no, have no, hammer no, smash away, man. Here. You still got the hammer. Um, People, people tend to think that if they've got a follower or they're connected to someone on social media, that, that they're necessarily going to see every single post. And that's not true. Okay. So, so every post mm -hmm. that goes out doesn't reach every member of your community. It reaches a subset based on the platform's algorithm. And part of the decision that that algorithm is making is, does this piece of content have enough engagement with a small segment of the audience in order to justify sharing it to a larger segment of the audience. Right. Interesting. It's almost like an email AB test where we're seeing where the engagement is and automatically sending out emails to people based on what wins. That's right. 
Yeah, that's right. But the difference wow. is with email, you can send it to your entire list. So, so you're <laughs> right, picking you the winner it. and you've got access to the list with Facebook and, and Twitter and, and LinkedIn. They control who sees your posts. So if your thing doesn't perform, then it doesn't perform and it just sits on your page and nobody sees it unless they go to your page. It doesn't get into the news feeds. Interesting. And and they want engagement because they want platform engagement. Correct. Add, add dollars, add spend. Yep. They're trying to keep people there's... on the platform. So they want to they want to elevate the, the highest performing content, the most engaging content, which again is why controversy is not always a bad idea. Controversy right. drives engagement. Unfortunately, yeah. Con- yeah. Yeah. Controversy can really bump you up there. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so don't go buy a million followers because I, you know, I know Oprah's done it. I know Obama's done it. All, all the yeah, political characters, they all buy them, but then it's maybe tempting. they're shooting themselves in the foot like you're talking about. Yep, for sure. And, and you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that Oprah and Obama aren't, aren't performing exceptionally well on social <laughs> media. I'm sure they do fine. I'm not worried at all about them. What I'm talking about is somebody who's, you know, who, who's got a regional business that's doing okay, that people are going to social media to check out what they have to say see which of their friends like, follow, comment on the content to see if this is truly an expert they want to work with. And, and you know, if that, if that person has bought followers, their posts are getting buried. And they're not getting, they're not staying top of mind with people who are potential clients and customers for them. Gotcha. Man. Let's shift a little bit. Let's talk, let's talk events. Let's talk, let's take social and let's tie it into events and event marketing. And then let's get into, are we getting back on site? Are we staying virtual? What are you seeing out there? Yeah, um, the answer is it depends. So, so, you know, right now today, what I'm seeing is people are wanting to get back in person. And, um, and there's, a, there's some fatigue about this kind of interaction. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's convenient and it's easy, but I'm not sure that people are valuing a zoom based or a kind of a video based interaction as much. They're, they're tired of it, frankly, it's, it's yeah. been a couple of years. Um, but who knows what happens tomorrow? So, you yeah. know, I guess that's true for all things, right? Like you, you never know what, what the future holds, but you know, if tomorrow there's some new some new strain or some new, you know, challenge that makes it impossible for people to go sit across the table from each other or share a drink together. Well, then, you know, then this is going to be looking pretty attractive again, that all of a sudden, you know, thank God you've got a way to connect with people virtually that doesn't put your health at risk. Right. Yeah, definitely the the hybrid model seems it's here to stay. You know, we have different people, yeah. different feelings on the topic and just trying to get them again, getting the message to the right people at the right time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I think you're right. And I, you know, I don't know about the hybrid model in terms of like some people are in person and some people are not, and that's yeah. some kind of a cohesive event. I've been to that kind of thing where I'm virtual and I can see that there's 300 people in a conference room in Las Vegas. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, I saved on airfare and hotel 
great, but I'm not there sitting next to somebody who is potentially a great partner for me or somebody true. that I might do business so with. True. So, you know, it's, it, it, I think, I think in those cases, it's really not great, but, but if you're talking about hybrid where there's some, some mix of all virtual or all in person, great. I am totally for that. I mean, you and I are in different parts of the country. Totally. You know, this kind of face-to-face -face conversation wouldn't be impossible. I could come to where you are. No problem. You're, you're welcome here as well. We'll, you know, we'll sit out on my deck. Oh yeah, let's do it. Wine. Right. Oh man, we need wine today. Right. But you can't be here, you know, at five o'clock today. True. I mean, it takes a little bit of planning. You've got other obligations and, you know, yeah. to get on an airplane and, and get to, you know, where I am isn't going to make a ton of sense. So, you know, great. You and I can talk face to face. This is amazing. Hell magic. Yeah, yeah it, it is magic. And, and you're right. As much as a glass of wine sounds good right about now on a Friday is when we're recording this. Uh, you're right. The convenience of being able to click a button and, and talk to folks um, can be really magical. Quick, quick question. I'm always curious about this. Books, resources, where are you learning from? You have knowledge. You have lots of it. Where are you filling your gas tank up? Yeah, so um, thanks. Good question. I, I, I'm an avid reader, um, and I'm always reading a fiction book and a nonfiction book, typically a business book, but sometimes a biography or something like that at the same time. Um, it's, you know, it, it's a habit that I got into early in my career. I always read fiction and I just thought, you know what, I need to balance it out. Hell Once yeah. I got out of school, I, I felt like I wasn't, um, I wasn't acquiring new information. I was being exposed to challenges at work and, and great, but I didn't have any resources to actually, you know, better myself. So, so I'm, I'm always, I'm always parallel reading. Um, I listen to podcasts. Uh, like yours, of course. Hell uh, yeah! But but wait, others. Wait, as well. what podcast is this? <laughs> Hardcore marketing. Yay! We'll, we'll have to clip uh, that. You know, we'll make it like Joe Rogan. We'll get that clip. <laughs> totally, totally. Um, so uh, so books, podcasts, uh, and then and then. I'm involved in EO and EO yeah. exposes me to, to other entrepreneurs, other success stories, people that are doing things, different things or things differently from me. So, yeah. so I'm constantly exposed to uh, smart people doing interesting things just from my involvement in the entrepreneurs organization. It. And that makes total sense. What's on your What's on your hit list right now? What, can you give me one fiction book and one nonfiction? Sure. Um, let's see. On yeah, let's let's go with with nonfiction. So um, I read it. I read it a couple of years ago, but I've I've reread it recently, and it's really really powerful. It's called Essentialism um, by I think it's by Greg McEwen. Um, and, and the thesis, without giving too much away, is you can't do it all. So you're going to have to make choices. And if you choose the important things, you actually have plenty of time to do everything that needs to get done. So if you're feeling overwhelmed in life or in business or, you know, really in any way, uh, and you put, you put your busyness through this filter of essentialism, you'll find that some of the things that you're doing 
you don't actually need to do, maybe because mm. you don't want to do them. But and and I'm sorry, but you're going to have to do some things you don't want to do. That's just the way life goes. Um, you know, I, I have to prepare my taxes. Uh, I've got an accountant that does all the heavy lifting, but I still have to gather the things. I'm, I can't not do that. But the point is, you might be doing things in your life that that are not necessary. And I think about this both socially and professionally. So mm. I think if I'm invited to a party or something, do I want to be there? Like, am, am I going to have fun at this party? Are these people that I really want to spend time with? Or am I going because I was invited or I feel some sense of obligation or somebody expects me to be there? So so I try to hold myself accountable for this uh, professionally and, and personally. And, you know, professionally, um, there's there's things that that we do that we really shouldn't be doing because they're outside of our area of expertise. So what I've done is I've grown my team so that I can offload things to them. Is it essential that I you know resize this image? No, I, anybody can do that. Is it essential that I you know format this the the book that I wrote so that it's appropriate for Kindle on Amazon? No, anybody can do that. Somebody else on my team can handle that. So you know we we all make choices. Yeah. Yeah. What a cool topic, man. Uh, I, you know, I think about EO events that you're going to attend and do you take podcast interviews and, you know, there's always more marketing channels than <laughs> marketing time or budget. Yeah. And you, you need to, whether in your life, at your point business as well, you got have to pick and choose and weigh those options. I think, I think the idea of being more intentional about that is something I've always tried to work on because sometimes I find myself in the flow of just going to with whatever's next on my calendar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, if you look at your calendar, there's probably things on there that, that you don't need to do. And, you know, one of the things, um, one of the things that, that I noticed kind of accidentally, not even in the context of this book is sometimes, sometimes there's urgent things that require your immediate attention. Uh, but if you're not there, you know, if you're at a doctor's appointment or you're driving your kid to school or something, uh, oftentimes you'll get back to it later in the day and it won't be urgent anymore. You know, somebody else has dealt with it or the urgency has evaporated. And it's right. like, wow, I'm, I'm glad I wasn't sitting in my inbox, you know, waiting for the fire drill to come in so that I could run around the office like I had my hair on fire solving this client problem when actually an hour later it, it occurs to everybody that it's actually not an emergency there's an easy solution or there or somebody else stepped up and said you know what we can deal with this we don't you know we don't need the boss yeah man where, where does all this go wait where do you see this you know, what's, what is the future of marketing? Where, where is this all evolving into? Um, I, I wish I knew. I mean, I, I would <laughs> buy know. stock in whatever that is. Um, yeah. You know, I think, um, I think we're going to probably find some equilibrium with social media where, you know, it was this huge, um, huge new thing that everybody thought was great. And then it was kind of this like nightmare cesspool that everybody wanted to get away from and hopefully we'll find a way to to include uh maybe existing social media channels maybe something different 
in in the dialogue. They'll, they'll be used for building community and and connecting and communicating, but but hopefully won't be um, won't be the the drivers of of negativity that they've certainly been in the recent past. So so that's my that's my hope for that. Um, I don't think email is going anywhere. I think email mm -hmm. is here to stay, and and arguably it's it's probably the killer app. I mean, yeah. like if you think about the, the technology that absolutely every single person uses, although, you know, my teenagers don't check their email, they, it's how they get, you know, it's how they get homework assignments and it's how they turn in homework assignments. And, you know, it's, it's an important part of their life. And as they move into the professional world, you can't get away from it. So, so yeah. I think email is here to stay. The web is evolving, this new web, web three thing. I have zero uh, perspective on this. I don't know, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know, but it, it holds the promise for, um, for, for some interesting developments and, and we'll see time will tell. Yeah. It's only, but like gotta, I said, if I knew where yeah. it was going, I would, you know, I would invest in that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like buying Apple or, you yeah. know, Tesla at, 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 yeah. at like a dollar. You know? For sure. For sure, or like Bitcoin at you know eighteen Bitcoin. cents, yeah, yeah instead of eighteen thousand dollars. So, <laughs> Bitcoin when they were just wanting to buy a cheeseburger with it, you know. <laughs> exactly, man. Well, well, who are you, man? Who? How do you know all these things? Can you take me back in time, little sure. old days? Did you know you're going to be an entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, founder of all these companies, and marketer, and presenter, and all? Take me back in time. Yeah, so so I grew up in a in an entrepreneurial family, um, cool. partly out of necessity. My you know my grandparents fled Europe uh, just ahead of the Nazis kind of wow. marching through town. So you know they arrived in this country with very little uh, in the way of material wealth, and and they had to come up with ways to to make a living. So. Um, so they started businesses and and found some success. Uh, both my parents are entrepreneurial. Um, they both ran their own businesses. Uh, they had some ups and downs, but but I definitely I definitely got the bug early on. Uh, as a, you know, my my earliest entrepreneurial memory is I used to buy uh, big bags of candy. You know, the kinds that you would give away on Halloween. That sort of fun sized candy. I would buy these huge bags and I would take them to school in elementary school and sell individual pieces of candy to my classmates. So, um, so, you know, I was turning, I was turning what little allowance money I had into, you know, bigger piles of money. And I, I don't even remember what my monetary needs were. Like, why do I need money at the, you know, at this point, well, everything is taken care of, but, but I saw this opportunity and, and, and I addressed it. Uh, I went on to start, several businesses um you know i'm i'm in the bay area so the, you know the the tech bug ran through oh, here yeah. pretty heavily totally. uh, i started some tech businesses some flamed out horribly uh some i had some reasonable exits with so you know i've had my share of success and failures and then as you mentioned earlier i spent part of my career in the music industry so my real passion is music uh especially live music and um when I came out of college, I, you know, I, 
I was I was interning for a, a concert promoter in San Francisco. You know, one of the one of frankly one of the biggest names in music. Uh, and I went on to to join a booking agency. I was booking live music. Well, I was wow. an assistant in a booking agency. I was you know I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like I was too important. I was basically answering the phones. But yeah, but you you're know, in we, it, right? I was yeah. in it for sure. Um, I, I moved to New York. I worked for a handful of record labels there. I started my own record label. I worked for MTV. Started your own record label? Yep. I, I started my own record label. Um, and, and we put out uh, a live compilation. I, I, I made a deal with one of the local New York rock clubs that, um, that was really a launching pad for a lot of the bands, you know, of the, of the late nineties. And I said, Hey, let's do a live album. You know, let's take, 12 or 15 of the of the hottest bands that play here will record full sets we'll pick one song from each and we'll string it together as though it was yeah. a single live show um so uh so actually if anybody wants to find it it's it's streaming on all of the platforms uh it's called live at arlene grocery so um live at what what grocery live at arlene grocery so i can i can share a link later yeah yeah no i'm gonna the, grab it in the put, show notes. We'll, we'll put the link for everyone in the show notes people just click it yeah, there it is yeah yeah cool yeah so did that ramp promotions uh for a division of mtv um and uh and and then i went to business school right around the time that the that the napster thing and and frankly the the ipod uh changed music consumption in a very dramatic way and, and when i wow. came out of when I came out of business school, I uh, I decided I'm I, I'm a lifelong music fan, but this is not where I want my career to take me. So, uh, what was so, it about the music business that just it wasn't? You just knew it wasn't going to be your thing long term. Um, so that is definitely a conversation for you know for for you and me with an adult. Yeah, average. Sure, it's a yeah. it's a long conversation. It's a but, good EO beer short, conversation. Yeah, right. Right, right, for sure. But you know, the short version is um, it's pretty ruthless, yeah. uh, and and even though you're you know working with content that you might enjoy, um, it's a, it's a bit of a knife fight uh, with you know with your peers and and coworkers because everybody's grabbing for you know for what little scraps there yes. are. Um, so that that didn't feel that didn't feel good, um, and and kind of not what I wanted. Also, at the time, the music industry was facing some pretty significant challenges. I mean, frankly, existential challenges. And and this is this is borne out a lot if you know if you were to dig in. Right now, artists and record labels are really dependent on streaming revenue from the major right. music streamers. And and frankly, it's not a lot of money. So so you know, the model itself wasn't that amazing. Um, in, in my opinion, and right. having gone, you know, I MTV sent me to Columbia Business School. I was taking all of these finance classes, and I was looking at the music industry through the lens of somebody who was learning finance. And I was like, I don't know, you know, I don't know if in ten years there's going to be enough pie to go around. Like, right. I don't want to, I don't want to be a part of something that that is that is shrinking in relevance and shrinking in potential i want to be a part of something that's moving in the other direction right something growth based not you know 
watch out where's it going not sure yet yeah mm -hmm. jeez so tell me about these companies that you've got now like present day you've got you've got two companies now which we were talking about earlier tell me about it yeah sure yeah so um so so the first is a marketing agency we do digital marketing and and we're an execution shop and what that means is we actually get in there and we do the doing so there's a lot of marketing agencies that'll deliver a strategy or a brand or a website we pick up where those shops leave off and we actually do the the social posting we do the content creation we set up a content calendar we get the posts out there regular uh, regularly right referring back to yeah. to the frequency um, so we actually execute on the strategy plus we do ad management where we're, we're writing uh, placing and targeting ads across digital platforms so it's primarily the Facebook family of sites and the Google family of sites but we allocate money to to Twitter and LinkedIn and things like Pinterest and other specialty platforms as well uh, and then we do search engine optimization. So that's that's the marketing business. It's all results oriented. Everything we do is measurable and it's all based on delivering ROI for the client. Typically we're trying to deliver 10X the investment. So if you're gonna invest $1,000, you should, you should have $10,000 of revenue to show for it. Yeah. And, and frankly, we hold ourselves accountable to that. Now, there's a lot of businesses that say, you know, if I could hit 5X, like if I could get 5,000 on my 1,000 investment, that would be amazing. Yeah. Sure. But, but we're shooting for 10X with yep, that. Gotcha. So, so that's the marketing business. Um, and, and we support clients of all sizes uh, that, that are growth focused. So if you're ready right. to grow, we're a good fit for you. Uh, the other business is a virtual assistant business where we place remote overseas assistance uh, into growing businesses. Now, these assistants are, uh, are experienced, they're trained, and they're managed by us. So we're actually in the background managing this assistant even once we've placed them onto your team. So it's not a temp agency or a recruiting agency. This is, this is a whole different model. This is a model where you're a busy business person, you've got a plate full of things to do. We'll place somebody on your team who can take some of those tasks off your plate and then we'll sit in the background and make sure that they're doing great work at that. Now, these are two different businesses and it yeah. might seem like they're two unrelated businesses, but actually the, the virtual assistant agency was born out of the marketing agency. And, and the way that it was born was that we saw that our clients were often too busy to review the content we were creating for them, to approve the ad campaigns we were doing for them. They just had too much on their plate and approving content wasn't a high enough priority. So we said, hey, what if we were to place a marketing assistant onto your team, on your team who right, could take yeah. some of these lower level tasks off of your to-do list and also let you know when there's something that needs your approval so that we can quickly take action and deliver those, those 10X results for you. So we started placing marketing assistants into clients, organizations, uh, and we found that actually there's a huge opportunity to place assistants of all kinds. So now the, the virtual assistant agency, which is called Augmentor, we augment teams with virtual assistants with specialties like marketing and bookkeeping and sales and even human resources 
so that business owners and business leaders have the time to focus on strategy, growing their business, and maybe even taking a vacation from now, from time to time. Yeah. Got to get that cruise in. There you go. Yeah. Man, it makes total sense. Favorite phrase from Dan Sullivan, who, not how, right? You need, you need the people to, to help you execute. And I love that your marketing team is all about execution. For sure. Sometimes you got a bunch of strategy and just no one's building the landing page. Like we need to get the thing going, get that campaign out the door. Yeah. Just sitting there waiting for someone to do something about it. So I love the, the execution side and augmented. What stood out to me was the idea that there's specialties. It's not just some generic, not generic person, but like a person that kind of has a master of no skills and is familiar with a few. It's like, no, this person is great at billing or, they're sales minded. They actually love that. So you're not burdening them by asking them to do a little biz dev for you. They're actually excited to do it versus that other person maybe is not. So I love that you're trying to get the right people in the right seats, even from a virtual, even from a remote perspective. So cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You know, now in this world, so many people are remote anyway. Yeah. To have, to have an assistant, uh, who's overseas, as long as your time zones can line up. And, and, you know, frankly, that's something that, that we work on to make sure that everybody's on the same time zone. Um, doesn't matter if they're down the street or a state away or an ocean away, as right. long as they're providing high quality work, you're still interacting with them in the same ways you would interact with your teammates who are also remote. Right. Makes total sense. What's your number one tip working with remote assistants? Uh, I would say, you know, if you if you're looking for one thing, the one thing is clear instructions. And and frankly, this isn't just for remote assistance, right? I mean, this is for <laughs> right. anybody that manages anybody. Um, you know, garbage in, garbage out. So if you can if you can give clear instructions, you can set expectations. Then you can then you can hold that assistant accountable for the results. If you get a result. That is not what you had hoped for. It's worth looking at what your directions were to see if perhaps you weren't clear in your instructions. You weren't specific enough or you left room for for interpretation where maybe there shouldn't have been. Yeah. Love that, man. I think sometimes we think that just getting that person in place, oh, all of our problems will be solved or that agency, but nope, you need to do a little bit of homework and figure out what you're trying to get done. If you can create some instructions, then there's some great people at, at getting that stuff done. But we need to be clear. Yeah, sure. I mean, we're so many times that you know, visionaries, we often are unclear about what we're looking for. And so that can be a right. problem. You're a big pic, you're a big picture guy, you know, yeah. like you've you've got the ideas and somebody else can worry about the details. The problem is you have a real expectation of what the result is going to be. So right. so you have to translate that into your instructions. And, and, you know, that's one of our differentiators is that we'll sit in the Slack channel with the assistant, making sure that the client's instructions are clear and where we see a misunderstanding, we can either flag it back up to the client and say, hey, what did you mean by this exactly? Like, what should the deliverable be? Is it, you know, do you want a, a presentation on it? Do you just want them to put a couple bullet points into an email? What are you looking for here? Or if we see there's a misinterpretation, the VA is is not doing what what we interpret as clear instructions we can say hey 
um, you know, it looks like maybe you didn't do exactly what the client was asking to do. Let's do it again before the deadline so that the client doesn't have to go through the process of asking you again and, right. and, and supporting it with more instructions. Right. Love it. Mutual two-way street. Sometimes you need yeah. more information here. Sometimes you just need to reiterate in a different way. Um, yeah. I love that. That ties into quality. Uh, Bit of a hypothetical question for you next. Yeah. Because see, I may or may not have a time machine here in New Hampshire. So let's say you oh. come visit, right? You get on okay. the plane this time, come visit, we get sure. some beer, some lobster, and oh, we great. go, it's in the backyard, covered in a tarp. We go use this time machine, but it's a particular kind of time machine because it's going to take you back in time to meet yourself. Mm. And you're going to see yourself four or five days after that undergrad right? Four or five days, you get that media arts degree, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready to get in that music industry. What kind of advice would you give yourself? What kind of things would you say? Um, well, first, younger me would be very alarmed at, at what's happened to my hair. <laughs> nice. Um, Was it like rock star hair prior to that? Well, I had a lot of hair. I mean, I had a thick head of hair that at this point, you know, I hear it's not you, really there. Yeah. See, I never yeah. even had one. So oh. kudos to you for having that rock star hair at some point in your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I like, I like thinking of it as rock star hair. I'm, I'm not sure I thought of it that way back in the past, but I'm, I will from now on. Um, so, so oh, after that shock, uh, the advice <laughs> that I would give my younger self uh, is really straightforward and um, it's uh, aim higher. Aim higher. Whatever your goals are right now, think even bigger than that. So, you know, I can't tell you what what younger Lael's goals were, you know, right after undergrad. And I, I, I remember knowing I wanted to work in the music industry. I'm not sure I could have told you where I wanted to work or what the outcome was going to be. Um, but what I should, what I not should because I'm super happy with the with the path and, and yeah. the way it's gone. But if I were to get in that time machine and give the advice, I would say, you know, don't just work in the music industry. Change the music industry forever. You know, look at look at a character like Bill Graham, which is, you know, the the promoter that I interned for in San Francisco. Look at record label founder like Richard Branson. Sure. How can you do that? You know, yeah. you don't just want to be on Richard Branson's team. You want to own Richard Branson's island, you know? So, so I wasn't, I was not thinking that way at, you know, 21, 22, 23 years sure. old. I was thinking, you know, if I could just get a stepping stone, if I could just, you know, get my finger in the door and, and, and start the process. Um, and, and frankly, I need to remind myself of that even still aim higher. You know, are your goals high enough? Like, okay, I've got this revenue goal for the year. It's based on actual, you know, past performance. But why should I limit myself to past performance? Why can't I do 10 times better this year right. than I did last year? Just because I got 40% growth last year doesn't mean I'm limited to 40% growth this year. Right. It's true. There, there is, doesn't mean anything. It could, right. could be way higher. Yeah. So aim, aim higher. That's my advice. Think Love big. That, man. Aim higher. Would uh, would young you listen to you? Probably not. <laughs> You're like, good luck, buddy. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I was, you know, I, I was pretty rebellious. I didn't love authority. It's, you know, it's part of why I'm an entrepreneur. So, sure. you know, I, I, I like to, I like to blaze my own trail. Sometimes I'll do it the hard way just for the sake of doing it the hard way, you yeah. know, so that I can say at the end of it that, that I did it. Um, right. That's maybe not a great trait all the time. I mean, sure. It leads to innovation and sure. I've been successful at growing some businesses and, yeah. and, you know, I absolutely love my life and no, no regrets at all. It, you know, it all led to here and here is pretty, pretty spectacular um but uh but yeah i was uh I, I i was not looking for or taking advice when i was in my 20s yeah something about that right we just kind of forge ahead maybe we need that craziness just to get yeah. after it but yeah. at some point in time that that stuff really pays off you know i love sure. i love listening to that now for sure yeah yeah amazing yeah Man, where can people connect with you? The, throw out some URLs, the two companies. And I know you mentioned you have some special offers for listeners as well. So what do we got today? Yeah. So um, so each of the companies, of course, has their own website. Uh, the marketing company is lpss.co. So just the letters lpss.co, not .com. Uh, the virtual assistant agency is Augmentor, which is O-G-M-E-N-T-O-R.com, uh, Augmentor.com. Both of those are great ways to get a hold of me. There's, awesome. there's There are tools on those sites that, that you know, can help you get on my calendar if you're interested okay. uh, or learn more about either of the businesses. Uh, of course, social channels for both. Uh, so there's links on the website, obviously, but you can also you know, go into Instagram and, and search for either uh, LPSS Digital Marketing or Augmentor. Uh, same on LinkedIn, same on Facebook. Of course, you know, we take our own medicine. I was so, going to say, uh, I, I highly recommend everyone goes and does that. And we'll link to it all in the show notes. So you can learn from people who are taking social seriously, being consistent, really addressing these things. Yeah. And, and now's actually a great time. We just hit reset on on our marketing on both of those both of the company profiles across the internet uh mm. because we weren't happy with the messaging we weren't happy with how cohesive it was so we just flushed the old content and started fresh with a whole new strategy a whole new approach so you can actually see a business that that is doing you know what we advocate our clients to do which is if it's not thoughtful start over come up with a strategy execute that strategy uh, so, so, so that's social, that's the web. And then as far as the offers go, I have an offer in, in, uh, I have an offer in each camp, let's just okay. say. So on the marketing side, uh, we have a five day marketing program that is guaranteed to turbocharge your marketing. So by five days, I don't mean five full days. You do not have to quit your job in order to, to take this. It's, it's five short, cohesive tips that are going to hit your inbox every day for five days and clear instructions on how to put these tricks to work in your business in order to see real results. So it's a five-day program, uh, free to sign up. And, oh, yeah. and I've got a, a custom URL set up uh, for your listeners, Casey, 
It's www.lpss.co slash HCMS, all lowercase. So that's the marketing offer. Love it. The, uh, the, the virtual assistant offer is we've published a book. Uh, the book is 101 plus tasks for virtual assistants. So it's a reference book, a book that you can use if you've got virtual assistants or if you'd like to consider having virtual assistants that details over a hundred things that they can do within your business. And it's all segmented into uh, areas of your business. So we've got marketing tasks. We've got bookkeeping tasks. That we've got sounds human, great, man. Human I, I know a lot of tasks. people who, yeah. Right, because sometimes you're like, I've got this person on my team. I've paid for all these hours. What are they going to do? Right. Well, so here's a here's a free book, uh, a book that we're offering for free. We sell it on Amazon. So you, you're welcome to go pay for it. Uh, or you could download it for free. And again, I've set up a link uh, for your listeners. It's hello dot augmentor which is o-g-m-e-n-t-o-r dot com slash h-c-m-s all, all lowercase oh there it is that sounds great i'm definitely gonna i'm gonna scoop that one up for sure awesome great. man thank you so much for for um for first of all these additional resources like you've already taught us some things but then to pass on some other things to us and the fact that we can follow your social and and learn from the best um, if there are groups out there looking to up their social game and be consistent, deliberate, you're the guy to talk to. So I highly recommend they check you out. And I just want to thank you for being on here and for teaching me like uh, my brain is full. I can't wait to go implement all these things. Well, thank you, Casey, for having me. And, and thank you for providing this forum for, for people. I've learned a lot listening to other, uh, other guests on your podcasts and, and, I hope that I've been able to share some wisdom and uh, inspire some people to, to take the steps necessary to grow using these tools. Yeah, no doubt you have, 100%. Um, so with that, those of you are listening and you did learn something, prove me right. If you did learn something, and I literally have two pages of notes over here, front and back, right? Run out of room, I'm in like the margins over here. Then share this with someone else. Be a thought leader to one person, nine people, 3,000 people, Whatever the number, get good content in front of the right people so they can benefit from it, especially if you see some folks doing social wrong, you know, or you're being asked to do social wrong, get this resource to the right person um, and start working with Lyle and his team. Um, uh, Lyle, sorry, Lyle and his team. Uh, this is so exciting. I'm just, wow, there's so many things I want to implement. I want to take a check out our, our authenticity, make sure we're being who we are. And just take another relook at that. Um, so good. Thanks again, man, for being on here um, and just teaching me today. Thank you, Casey. This has been fun. All right, everybody. This has been another exciting episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. 